Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So do remember, guys, before we get cracking with today's episode, the more you like, the more you subscribe, the bigger, the badder the guests are getting. It's one of the reasons today's show has got such amazing guests is because more people are liking and more people are subscribing. Hello, welcome to Man Baggage. My name is Russell Kane. This is the safe space where I get men, boys, whatever you want to call us, most of us stick as boys. Together, we drill into their heads and we try and work out how men's brains work, don't work, why they don't work, and how they're not working. We know they're not working because we've got an epidemic of steroid abuse, male eating disorders, male suicide rates. Something is going wrong. Equality is being strived for, great. Women are getting more power, fantastic. Everything's equalising, but there seems to be a nasty after effect. Men are going fucking mental. They're shaving their balls. They're taking... (laughs) I mean, I always hoped equality would be women being lifted up to the equal power of men. Women with hairy armpits saying fuck off to patriarchy. But what's actually happened is this. Men are shaving every hair off their body and posing for selfies at Wayne Lineker's Ocean Beach Club. Something has gone wrong in the wrong direction. That's what we're trying to get to the bottom of. And also, a lot of women listen to this show. That's been the surprise thing from this journey. A lot of other podcasts or radio shows that have tried to do this end up with male listeners, with men talking about men's things while lads talk about lad things. We do things differently here. We're providing an instruction manual for confused women to try and understand why their Neanderthal has a cog flying off it in the corner of the room. And also, we have all types of people on here. I mean, we got a show come out recently where the female auditor seat was actually played by a man in drag. So we have all types of identities. There is more gender fluidity in this podcast than there is on my keyboard. And there is a lot of gender fluid on that. Trust me, it's, lo- <laughs> it's lonely on the road. And, and what a couple of guests we got today. I mean, I've been bothering today's guests to try and get some tickets or a space. I would happily pay if I could freaking get into these brunches he's throwing. They look absolutely amazing. DJ, house music legend, music legend, seems to know bloody everyone, got the funniest memes on the internet and a banging new book out, I Don't Take Requests. It is, of course, DJ Fat Tony. What an honour 
to have you in the house. I feel like I should have mixed you in like a noun at a time, then an adjective, then a verb until eventually the <laughs> sentence was mixed into mine. Yeah. An F to the A to the T to the T to the <laughs> exactly. O to the N to the Y. No, thanks for having me, man. And you're welcome at the brunches anyway. The brunches, we've got a big one coming up in June, like a free free eight for like 2,000 people. You're welcome to come to that. It's, you know it's 95% exactly, women, I'm, right? Yeah, but I went to the R&B one with my mate last week and that was it was, you know, mostly women and a few moody guys that hand back in puffer jackets till the last minute and then just feast on the gazelles yeah, at no. the end. We don't let moody people in full stop. The whole idea of it is a place of love and euphoric happiness. And Back in the day, me and my mate Dan used to go to heaven just because you were less likely to get stabbed, well, with a knife anyway. I'll never forget I was in heaven and something bashed me on the head. I was like, finally, violence in heaven. And it was the podium dancer who dropped his whip because there was too much oil on it. That's the only violence I ever had in heaven. (laughs) Right, well, we could easily... I would love to sit here with another man trying to interrogate masculinity. But that would make us like all the other shows. And it would also lead us possibly to drift into sexist generalisations about, well, you know what women think. Not in this space. I always have a strong female presence, a female auditor to call bullshit on some of the outrageous shit that comes out of my mouth. And today, I mean, this person is such a high achiever. I had to check how to bill uh, Gizzy Erskine before I introduced (laughs) her. Chef, restaurateur, but so much more. We know you've crossed that threshold from just preparing delicious feasts and foods into the influencer sphere. We see you on TV. We sort of know you as a television personality. You're a sort of food influencer, a restaurateur, a food writer and lingerie model as well, most recently. Yeah, I'm sure about that. <laughs> that was amazing. That was an amazing opportunity. Liberating. You know, 40, 42 years old and like size 14 with my... Uh, in Why pants, not? Which was with, with one week, one week's warning as well. So I just had to go in. It was great, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> the reason I'm mentioning that is not to be pervy because I, I did... Um, well, it was a little bit to be perfect. I did a, I did Cosmo's nude centerfold, and they said you can do whatever concept you want. So I said, can I be laying back in foil, um, feeding a model grapes? And they said yes. So then I shat myself. I was like, Am I, can I really do that? And it's what today. Hopefully not on the foil. No, not on the foil. In fact, it was handy. It was easy to parcel up. But the, <laughs> but that is today's subject: fear. Fear, of course, the unpleasant emotion caused by threat of danger, pain or harm. But those three words... Question, were you, uh, fear, what were you fearful about having your bollocks on show? Just nudity. Or... Just the vulner- like the same thing Izzy was worried about with being in her underwear. Just the, the vulnerability of showing your... The vulnerability of being showing stripped your body down, off. right? Did they get to see your balls? No, yeah, the girl was laying in my, in, in my lap and she, her head was in my crotch and I was feeding her grapes, which we ended up dating for a year after. I mean, once, once your penis has entered um, someone's ear, it really does... <laughs> It does get rid of the awkwardness of it. It doesn't really say much about the size of your penis, though, if it's entered her ear. Listen, it ripped out the other side of her head. That was the sad bit about the shoe. Oh, yeah, of course it did. Yeah, of course. That paled off on the front of the cortex. No, but um, fear is is a threat of danger, pain or harm. But my God, can danger, pain or harm come in so many different ways? forms we're human beings it's not just a lion on the savannah it's as we've just been describing social rejection fear of being uh, judged pain comes in so many forms and of course that can lead to harm but i'm going to jump right in at the deep end tony and ask you do you think and this is your experience of all men gay straight old young friends and your experience is wide it's celeb celestial you've got your, your i'm getting your normal friends as well in your normal life so it's going to be a wider experience of masculinity than most but do you think men hide their fears better than women 
Uh, no, I don't. I think men, we as men, we it kind of we don't express our fears. Women express their fears to their best friends. They're, they're in their circle. They'll ring up their mate and say, oh, I've got this going on. Men don't because the ego comes from a place of fear. So men are more ego-driven. So we won't tell you what we've got going on. I spent a lifetime of living in fear of anyone knowing that I was doing this or living in fear that anyone would find my darkest secrets out. You know, so, it, and it's all ego-based. Ego comes from a place of fear. And I think men, when we try to... We are scared of stuff. It comes out sideways. We, it kind of manifests into something else. So instead of saying, oh, to your girlfriend or to your boyfriend, I'm really, really feared up around losing you right now. We'll act, you've been cheating on me. You've been doing this, you've been doing that. Because it will turn into an insecurity around our own fear. I don't think men handle it very well at all. And do you think it's, it's different with gay men and straight men or is that across the board with masculinity? I think there's a slight curve in it, slightly. But I think it's just across the board, really, when it all comes to men. Because, you know, gay men hate any loopholes in their, in their gayness. We hate anyone finding out that we've got a problem in the sexual department or we've got a problem with our eating disorders or we're doing too many drugs. We don't want anyone to know that because as gay men in the LGBT team, we put on this front, it's all glossy and we want people to think how well we're doing, how good we look. We go to the gym six days a week, right? Therefore, we can't have a drug problem. Look how good I look. I look how ripped I am. It's all about image. So as soon as they start to show a weakness in that image, then there's a problem. Do you know what I'm saying? Especially with gay men. Do you agree with that? I mean, st the statistics suggest that men do bury their fears more because we know the dark side of burying your fears is bad mental health outcomes and, old, and suicide. So we know the greatest risk to a man under 50 is not testicular cancer, not cardiac disease, not drug abuse, not car accident. It's themselves. I, I like to think that there is, it, like weirdly, how Tony explained the curve, like with the sort of difference from a straight guy to a gay guy being a, a little bit more progressive. I actually think that men will stop at becoming more progressive. But what I'm noticing is that guys, so if I'm having, if, you know, if people are here having a Sunday roast or like having a party, what will tend to be is there'll be a certain type of guy who will be more inclined to like hang out with the girls and therefore he'll like completely splurge his emotions. So he might not be doing it to his mates in the same way. So I'm noticing that a lot more guys are sort of being a lot more emotive around women. But I sort of feel like collectively... I'm looking at two groups of my friends in my head here because I do have some guys who are really, really uh, emotionally aware and, and like really, you know, talk through everything with them, you know, their mates, their partners and everything. And it's definitely a modern thing. But yeah, I mean, I think how with programming and everything, I think that that is completely right. Well, I've got you, Gizzy, but what do you think men's, instinctively men's biggest fears are? It's a strange dichotomy of being fearful of how they present themselves. I think it is simply male pride, dare I say it. Male pride is very much a, bit, a big thing that I notice. So um, I guess it's trying to like manage that. But you know, that said, you know, I don't think that that's uncommon for women as well, you know, that to be sort of proud and trying to sort of manage their people's expectations of what they feel about them. Do you think it's more status-based with men? The fear of loss of, of status... Yeah, I think also it's got a lot to do with men are more fearful around age. 
I think that, you know, where as a man of 50 plus, we get to a point in our life where, you know, we start lying about our age. I've lied about my age since I was 11. I've told people I was always older. The only time I actually got real when I was turned 50, when I embraced <laughs> it, you know, I've spent a lifetime of being 36 on Grinder. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Too. I'm younger, I'm we, younger. We always on lie about our age, and I think. Tony, you actually showed me Grinder for the very first time. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yeah, I do remember, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a real struggle for men getting old, feeling that they're not going to be like, you know, they're losing their looks, they're losing everything. So that's it, especially when we go into a midlife crisis of getting a bigger car, you know, and all of that stuff that we go through when we hit 40. It's, it's definitely an age thing. It's a fear of, of not being sexy anymore, not being wanted, not being having, uh, you know, not being able to pull the way we used to pull. But yeah, women have a, surely, I mean, the status thing, the cars and everything, but when it comes to... But with women, the majority of women I know do something about it. They go and have facial work done. Now, a lot of men I know, apart from the gay ones, wouldn't dream of having Botox. They wouldn't dream of having fillers. Do you get what I'm saying to you? And they age really rapidly. I mean, most people of my age have wrinkles. I don't because I do something about it. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? I have a very good skincare range, like routine that I do. I have, I'm quite happy to admit that I have Botox and everything else that I have done to myself because I want to look younger. I, it's not even a matter of looking younger. I want to look good. It's a, I'm in a profession where I need to look good. But does that come from a place of fear? Yeah, 100%. A hundred percent. Because you know what? Especially with the job that I've got as a DJ, there's, there's, there's 500 million younger DJs than me. Do you get what I'm saying to you? That I would want to take my place. I'm very lucky. I don't fear that anyone else is going to replace me in the job that I do. But I still have to keep myself looking good and feeling good. Because if I don't look good, I don't feel good. Mental health is not about only what we eat. Yeah. It's about our thinking. It's the way we live our lives. It crosses over. So if I feel old, if I wake up on a, in the morning and I feel old or I feel fat, that used to dominate a whole week to two weeks to a month of my life. I would could not get those thought processes out of my head. Now, when I wake up in the morning, I have coping mechanisms to work with that. I have tools that I think... So well, those thoughts, well, I can't control that first thought coming into my head of like, oh, you're old, you know, or you're this or you're that. But I can the second and the third, and I can change the way I, I, I can set my day thinking. Do you think that's like a modern thing, though? Like how, how people have sort of become more emotionally activated because therapy, everything's therapised on the internet, and then suddenly people are, it's become more accepted that people actually do go and learn how to have those tools? I mean, I think for me, I think therapy's been probably one of the best things I've ever had in my life. Do you know what I mean? I've just done a whole year and a half of trauma therapy, and I never thought, you know, I've just written a book about the traumas of my life. You know, to actually process that and write that, I had to go and have trauma therapy to deal with it, dealing with the writing process, because everything in that book has come from a place of... Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. 
Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Fear. Gizzy, so what... Do you have any like big fears, or actually more interested? Do you have any like sort of petty or irrational fears? I don't know. Like sort of simplifying. Like I mean, I'm 42 and uh, about to be 43. I've got. I don't know. I'm really lucky when it comes to how I don't deserve this space. Put it that way. <laughs> it's like I, my lifestyle is like hedonistic still, and it's you know I'm I'm still very much a single woman who. Uh, has chosen work over having kids. I still don't know how I feel about that, which is a privilege in so many ways. Like my instincts have never been, I'm internal. I mean, I've got, by all accounts, I'm probably the mad cat lady. I've got four cats, but I'm still hot. So I'm still going to get laid. So it's like, um, so it's kind of like, you know, I like, I guess the way that people would perceive those sort of simplistic um, fears about how you feel physically I weirdly don't have it. I do have it about weight, if I'm honest. Like, my, my weight's gone up over the last years, and I really have to work at that. That's difficult in your profession, though. Isn't it? I mean, it'd be like... I mean, I'm guessing for a DJ being around drugs they don't want to take is is just as bad as a chef being around food they don't want to eat. <laughs> but you know what? I think it'd be worse for chefs. For me, I make the choice that I don't no longer want that life. So I see people high or off their nuts, and I think, thank God I'm not doing that. Whereas if I was a chef, I would be the size of a house because I love food so much. No, honestly, it's impossible. Like you're, you're constantly surrounded by food. Your, your job is to constantly taste. There is a discipline that, you know, most people would never understand because it is constant. But then also, you know, I've been, up until recently, I've worked 16 hour days, seven days a week, pretty much. So it's relentless also. And so when you're that tired... You know, there's a lot of drug problems mm. in my industry too, you know, because people constantly need to be on the go. So I, I don't think that's know, one like, of the most I, disturbing films I've watched recently is Boiling Point with Stephen Graham about the head chef. Have you watched you? it yet? No, I haven't seen it. It's, yeah, it's, it's, for me, it's, it's very frustrating. But it's not because it's not my industry. That was really annoying for me. It was like, I love Stephen Graham. He's one of my favourite actors. And, you know, I know a lot of the people that were involved in the film. But if I'm going to be completely honest, it was all of the cliche right, okay. box ticking things. That, you know, okay, he's going to be addicted to cocaine and and it's going to be an anger issue and someone's going to, you know, it, like I won't give away the plot. But there's, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff in there that was sort of not covered enough yet to sort of cliche. I don't know. But it is, you know, at the same time, those things do happen within my work. Is, is there any fear you've ever had to tackle head on because you've had to get past it for work? It could be a fear of heights, fear of public speaking. I'm, I'm wondering if there's a specific fear, Tony, where you've thought, shit, I'm going to have to push through this one if I want to earn a living. Yeah, I'm a really shy, introvert person. And I really am. <laughs> I really am. So what I do is I overcompensate. I'll be the first to start the loudest I will laugh, I, you know, I will overcompensate it by being extra loud or I'll be the most vilest person in the room or the bitchiest because of my insecurities. I suffer with uh, imposter syndrome like no one else. I could be flying, like a couple of weeks ago, going to Miami to do a wedding. I was on the plane, sitting at the whole flight. All I could think was, they hate me. They're going to hate what I do. As soon as I get there, they're all going to take the piss out of my music. They're going to hate me. And that's how I think. I will, 
lay awake in bed all night long, dreading going to an airport because I have to go through airport security. I have to be around people. And I will focus on all of the bad stuff instead of the good stuff. I'm, going, I'm flying to Miami, to, like to Palm Beach, and then got 10 days with my boyfriend. Yeah, so the time of your life, things... No, I will disasterize it straight away. And and that's something that I really have to deal with on a daily basis. Like doing this interview, doing any interview. I've had a day of interviews today. And I I literally find myself praying that I can get through it. Because I, by vocalizing it, it takes the pressure out of it and the pain out of it. Because I will give it so much power that you think I'm a wanky. Gizzy hates me. Do you get what I'm saying to you? And everyone that's watching it. But that's where my head goes. It, and it's not just an addict thing. It's actually a learned behaviour from a child. I, I, I do believe, you know, it's definitely got a lot to do with learned behaviours. What about you, Gizzy? Is there anything, obviously, I mean, I think it'd be almost banal for me to remark that I had to get past a fear of public speaking to go into... Did you? Drunk, dr- well, drunk comedy clubs where people will literally throw dildos and bottles of piss at the stage and, and even, <laughs> even, even Sounds try like and knock, a night in my house. Even <laughs> try and knock you out, hashtag Chris Rock. I mean, that's, that's, that's happened to me. Everyone's acting like it doesn't happen. That fucking happens all the time in stand-up. I had a guy try to lump me at a posh award ceremony. So I've had to, I mean, obviously, to get over that adrenaline fear of failure of people not laughing that's been the main thing I've had to go through in my life took me years to get over it and it's but my fear is it's completely rational Tony's is well it's irrational he's a banging DJ and everyone loves him so it's coming from a place mine is is totally rational people do boo you off they do think you're a wanker you know what though with me last night I I, I, I went into this is the most random thing I did Joan Collins's tea party right (laughs) now listen right at Langham's 30 people, max, right? Now, this, this is... I stood in the DJ box thinking they're all slagging me off. Biggins was sitting staring at Biggins, right? That's how, <laughs> that's how random it is. He was sitting staring at me and I could read his lips saying... Because Joan Collins kept asking me to turn the music down. And in the end, I had a big fight over her at the end. She was like, it's fucking loud, turn it down. And I was like, fuck off. It's not fucking loud. She's standing in front of a fucking speaker. And I just I'm, I'm quite jealous of her ears at that age. You know what? I know what Biggins was saying, though. He was saying, he's not 36. <laughs> <laughs> Swipe. You got, so, Gizzy, you what, what have you had to um, I mean, in food, there's quite a lot of phobies you can have. You're not about like touching an octopus Actually, or something weird like that. I've got one which is really, really extreme. I When I, when I was um, a little commie, I, I had to peel a load of, like, to clean down a load of muscles. And you know, sometimes. The proper muscles, lovely and sort of shiny on the back, but they get covered in barnacles. Now, one day, um, first of all, if you look at a series of barnacles together, they look like holes. And there's a phobia called, I can, I can never say, it's trichlophobia. I think that's yeah. what it's called. And it's a fear of lots of holes, which I <laughs> immediately got. And then what was awful about it was there was this massive muscle with this massive barnacle. And I went to clean it and out popped the barnacle, which oh. is a little creature. Oh. And then it was eating a baby crab. Oh, and my crab, God. And the crab was half alive and ran up my hand. And that was, honestly, I can't touch a, I can't touch a muscle now. And that's, a bad, that's bad for a chef. Fear of seafood is bad news for a chef. I mean, it, it's really, it's the one thing that every, in every single kitchen, because I love eating mussels, but in every single kitchen, I'm just like, it's the one job I'm not prepared to do at all. My biggest fear out of them all is definitely polystyrene. Polystyrene? Oh, you're yeah, saying polystyrene? polystyrene. I can't look at it, I can't touch it, I can't be near it. Yeah, but you could dodge it. Imagine if you had fear of vinyl, you'd be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, I've got USB It's just sticks. a feel of vinyl, it sets my teeth on it. <laughs> no, no um, it's USB sticks today, Russ. I wondered if you would, 
and there might not be. This is just, again, I've, we've all got our chips on our shoulders, right? And uh, I'm wondering if there's a class aspect to this. I'm wondering if it be how working class you are correlates with a greater fear. What I mean by that is you feel like you don't deserve a place at the table because you might come from a bit of a council house like me type thing. You're Can more... I cut into that? Yes, that, please. That, that to me is, is frustrating because my family... Um... I'm, I'm, my father was aristocracy, but I was brought up. So in principle, I, I'm titled. I don't use my title. I never have. Oh my god! Please because... tell me what your title is. No, <laughs> my full name is like actually. I've never said it. Are publicly. you a lady? Is it a lady? Are you a no, dame? I'm an honor, I'm an honourable, but I never use it. No, this is the first time I've ever said it publicly. But I was brought up in. Uh, I went to state schools my whole life, but what I had was this sort of family situation where I didn't speak like the rest of my family, and I had to be with my family, I had to be one way. Well, not with not with my full family. One side of my family, I had to be one way. But at school, I had to really overcompensate in the other way. So I, I you know, my, my accent, me and my sisters have three different accents. And my big sister's fairly posh. I've got my accent and my little sister sounds like she's from Essex. So it's kind of like... The full class system in one house. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> then you've got my mum who's like super posh. But it's like, you know, it's, it, so it's not me going, oh no, woe is me. We've never had money. That's yeah. why I went to sex school. Never, ever had money. When I was growing up, my mum lives in a council house now. You know, I, I subsidise her rent and stuff like that. It's really not a... But then, in principle, you look at this and I would be sort of moaning about my background when I really had to hustle my way yeah. to the top, you know? All right, guys, do not fear. We will be back, but we're going to take a quick break. That is the end of part one. 